1: no purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
3: This is a long time in the podcasting world, JP Mason, Ah. I'm Paul John Dykes, welcome to Thursday's edition of a Celtic State of Mind, apologies for that slight delay, there was a little glitch in the system, we were both waiting to go live, but there was a wee glitch, but apologies for that, JP Mason, last time I spoke to you we were talking about a couple of big games coming up we're talking about Hearts, the introduction of our Tynecastle, castle, followed by the Champions League, where we would learn our, where our destiny lay. We now know we've got that knowledge. We'll be talking about that over the next hour or so. How's your week been?
4: I good. Yeah, I watched the uh, <coughs> I watched the Hearts game in uh, strangely named Crown Creighton Bar and Duke Street, um, which sounds like it would fit in alongside quite a lot of other bars on Duke Street but it's actually of uh, of the green and white persuasion so I, uh, I initially suggested McCool's as an option to watch yeah. it and yeah. I remembered that the last time I watched a Celtic Hearts game at Tynecastle in McCool's was the day that we lost the 69 game unbeaten run oh, 4-0 yes. <laughs> yes. very superstitious about things like that so I was like no way not not watching it there so my mate Chris uh suggested the Crown Creighton. So it's actually a decent wee pub. It's just kinda it reminds me of being in a pub in West Lothian in the nineties or something like that. You know, it's there's no there's no bells and whistles. I think there's still a joke pub.
3: <laughs> talking talking pubs. Um did you see the latest uh video edit of uh, a certain birthday party yes. in Rangers Bar? <laughs> Yeah. And then she's looking bit, and then it's that classic bar, which is like, it's like the Star yeah. Wars bar, isn't
4: it? Classic Unbelievable. It's ah, yeah. <laughs> superb. Sam Selickson, another, another great job. Another player. classic.
3: And I, I, I want to know
4: who he is. Who is he? <laughs> <laughs> or she? Is he, he or she? They, they are definitely uh, very talented. Indeed. Very, uh, very talented. Aye, but the game was a weird one. And if you remember last week, we spoke briefly at the end of the show, and I said, we're going to get a tough game at Tynecastle. We always do. I, say, I I remember vividly saying, they hate us, and they do. So they, mm-hmm. they, they managed to, despite all their shortcomings and injuries and poor form and everything else, they put together a, 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 a performance against us. And at one point, it was looking a bit shady at 2-1 down. You know, you're looking at it thinking... Is this going to be a game where we come unstuck? But um, I thought Aaron Moy was excellent. I thought he was, you know, really uh, contributed. But, uh, his shot for the Maeda goal, and his cross for the Jack goal. Yeah, he crossed for the Ralston goal that was mysteriously disallowed. Um, still don't get. it. I've watched that back. I actually said it at the time to Chris. I mean, well, look, he's he's given it for the. The, the tug on the shirt from Jack and, Marcus. and then it turns out that it's not for that it's for what happened after that which isn't even a foul the guy just falls over mm. totally mental but um, and then obviously the handball stonewall, stonewall.
3: absolutely absolutely
4: uh, anybody could watch that and not say that's a penalty I have no idea including Michael Stewart which I think disappointed get, disappointed that in one of the shows saying yeah normally is yeah, pretty balanced and fair And, you know, you didn't get that from him. One one of the sources I would have expected it to come from. So, yeah, um, and then absolutely delighted for Greg Taylor getting that winner. Um, Superb. Scenes of Bedlam and the small pocket of fans that were there at Tyne Castle. And, yeah, you could just see how much it meant to him. I mean, he's deserving of, of a goal like that and to celebrate like that, given his performances since... Arguably the turn of the year, mm-hmm. rather than just this season, he's been he's been excellent. And for a guy that his Celtic career stuttered to a to, a, to a start, if that makes sense, um, or stuttered to start, um, being kept out the side by players playing out of position and things yeah. like that, and mm-hmm. you just didn't know whether or not he'd made the right move at, at points, and you were thinking, is he just going to? Disappeared down to a championship club or something like that, um, but he's really, really come of age and become one of the first names in the team sheet. He
3: um, has, it has.
4: So, so Ten Castle was 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 what it was. We got the three points, which were a big three points, in what happened later on in the day. And then Tuesday, um, so disappointing, so disappointing, purely because. I think it's the worst we've played at home in the three games. Mm. And yet we got a point. Yeah. Yep. Do you know
3: what I Oh yeah. I mean, I think in terms of the the clean cut chances created, JP, uh, very very little created in the first half. Uh, and even when you look at some of the chances we did create, I know that Kyogo had that one on one. Should have done better, um, but. You know, in the previous games against Leipzig and against Real Madrid, there was a whole host of chances that you could reel off. And I don't think it was quite like that. Um, and, and again, with regards to that, that particular game, you know, I went into it with a, with a sense of positivity. But after the game, as disappointing as the result was and where it leaves us in terms of our European aspirations, um, I, I, I tend to look at the whole campaign and I know that some of the comments that have been made this week by the likes of Carter Vickers uh, around where we are and how it's going to galvanise us and we're going to get stronger. I tend to be taking that, and not because I've got green tinted spectacles on or you know I'm in this, this uh, kind of frame of mind where I don't want to criticise the club. But on a Celtic state of mind, we have criticised the club. We've criticised the manager, the players, the boards, uh, where we felt it's necessary. I just don't think that this campaign is worthy of criticism. I think what we'll do, and we'll do it today, is we'll look at what can we do better? What are we expecting next season? Um, so there is an airy positivity around it. Just a, a few of the things you mentioned there, the first one being Aaron Moy. Um, do you still think he's on a bit of a short leash, you know, uh, with Celtic fans though? Because it's almost as if, right, I thought he played well against Hearts, right? But he misses a, a good opportunity. He missed a good chance. And it was like, you know, you see the comments coming in. On our on our streams and on social media, and it's as if you know people want to be proven right. A lot of people want to be proven right for saying he was a bad signing because if you you know you take into account he had that bad miss. Overall, we had a very very good game. What what do you think um, the relationship is at the moment with Moy and us as Celtic fans um, as a whole?
4: Well, me personally, I'm aware that our bread and butter, our meat and drink, whatever you want to call it, is domestic football. We have one European game left. It doesn't mean anything now, which is a bit unfortunate because I'm going <laughs> and I was hoping that it was going to maybe have something riding on it, but it's not. And, you know, to be honest, I'm just looking forward to getting away to see Celtic in Europe again for, for the crack, What, regardless of the scenario or the circumstance. I've not seen Celtic away in Europe since Copenhagen, February 2020. On the cusp of... The the, the the meltdown that happened in the in the world. You, I remember being in Copenhagen and just there being this kind of like foreboding atmosphere that something bad mm. was. Happening, but how bad it was going to be, we didn't quite know. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. But um, with regards to to that's the thing, everyone's has on about oh, players aren't good enough for Champions League level. Of course, they're not good enough for Champions League level. They've not played consistently in the Champions League. Our, the, the predominant amount, I mean, how many games have we got left in the league to play now? What, 30, like 20, 28, 29? I don't know, I, I didn't look, I meant to look for the for the purpose of this chat, because I knew you would ask this, and we've got the Cup games, semi-final, hopefully a final Scottish Cup run as well. Yeah. That, that is the bulk of our season, so if our players are good enough at that level, including Aaron Moy, then... What's the problem? You know, this this season was, in terms of the Champions League, was just a kind of right. Let's see what happens. That that's what. I've, no, surely I know that when we drew the group, everyone was thinking right. Shakhtar aren't, aren't in a good place. Um, Leipzig. You look at the games against Rangers last season, and immediately think, given what we've done to Rangers, somewhere deep in your mind you're thinking, well, we can beat Leipzig because of what we've done to Rangers in this calendar year. A four nil a 3-0, a 2-1, you, one, one defeat in the Scottish Cup, fair enough. Yeah. But ultimately, you're measuring yourself against a team that Rangers have played and beaten over two legs. So, And Real Madrid is Real Madrid. So that was the thoughts at the start of the, of the draw. And then it's played out. I, I remember I got a lift to the airport and it would have been just after the Real Madrid game. So the first game. And the person that was giving me the lift said, "How many points do you think we will get in the Champions League?" And I remember sitting in the back of the car, and I went, "I think we'll get four points." That's what I said. I said four yeah. points, and those four points were based on a home win against either Leipzig or Shakhtar, mm-hmm. and an away draw against either Leipzig or Shakhtar. Because I didn't think we'd get anything against Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah. So what we didn't bank on was Shakhtar doing as well as they've done, because no, no. if you look at the other group. Rangers have got a chance of I mean a very slim chance of qualifying. But they're sitting on zero points and minus what nineteen, 19. goals. Mm-hmm. But that's because Ajax have done so poorly and they've not they've not racked up points in games that they probably maybe should have. Shakhtar won against Leipzig, which was completely out of the thinking mm. and and drew against Real Madrid. So that blew us away in terms of what we'd even though we only drew with Shakhtar, it completely You know, wrecked our chances of of third place
3: Good expectation, no you're spot on I'm going to bring in a couple of these points here because you mentioned Taylor and I think Taylor's a very good example to explain my thoughts on where we are and how I can look to next season with some positivity Um, Tam Mack, welcome to the show hail here to you as well, Paddy Lavery an absolute regular on a Celtic state of mind afternoon. All from a soggy and depressing Ardoyne. Well, let's hope for the next forty minutes or so there's less depression uh, because we're going to be talking about Celtic, which is the one thing that binds us all together. Monte, afternoon to you as well. But this point here from Jake, why bring this one up? Jake loves Ange, but says to finish on two points in one of the easiest groups. I think JP's made a fantastic point about that. Yeah, going into it on paper, it looked like it may have been one of the most favourable groups, but we didn't expect Shakhtar Donetsk to do what they did. Um, On paper, is isn't good enough, says Jake. Don't understand the optimism that next season will improve. The team can't defend against good teams. Well, I don't think it's been the defence, actually But we'll come back to that in a second It's been mainly based on the two goals And 68 shots We've we've seen the stats, right But let's use Greg Taylor Because we've been speaking about him already, JP, right Greg Taylor, like many players before him Signs for Celtic From a fellow domestic club And there's no doubt that At the time that he signs He's one of the best players in Scottish football Outside our squad We've done it before We've done it with Johnny Hayes, right um, prior to that we've done it with various other players and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't so no, this no, Chief chi-
4: G is not one of those by the way oh, Chief <laughs> G yes
3: um, Scott Allen I remember watching him for Hibs thought he was a phenomenal footballer seen him orchestrating the play comes to Celtic doesn't happen uh, David Hanna a few years be- before Dundee United comes to Celtic doesn't happen Gary McKay-Steven didn't work out Stuart Armstrong it did Ryan Christie comes in doesn't look as though it's going to work out for some time but he adapts he develops he improves he progresses and I think the best example of that we've got in our squad at the moment is Greg Taylor so we sign him from Kilmarnock it takes him a while for various reasons JP to adapt and acclimatise to the standard that Celtic is compared to Kilmarnock or any other team in Scottish football for that matter and what Celtic are now trying to do is acclimatise to a higher standard as a football club as a team and some of the players, like some of the examples we've just mentioned, won't be able to make that step up. Mm-hmm. That's, just, that's just football, right? But other ones, who some of whom we'll, we'll speak about today, will be able to. And once they do, then we can make a bigger impact. So that's the way I'm thinking about it. I don't think it's just blind positivity, if you like. I think there's a bit of merit in that way of thinking. And when you listen to the way Angie's selling, Angie isn't going to come out and say, unless we've got 100 million quid, we're not going to compete. That's not that's not in his makeup, but what he is saying is that we've got a team who can develop, and when we come back next year, we'll learn from the errors, we'll be stronger. We'll, and and he's mentioned a few times this anxiety. We we don't really take that into account. We just think if you're playing for Celtic, you're playing at that level. You know you've got to be tuned in, and if you get a chance in front of the goal against Real Madrid, put it away. But what's been proven this season? Abada, you know, a guy who's scoring hat tricks etc. against Real Madrid froze. Maeda, simple chance, if that's against St. Johnston, is he putting it in the net? Probably. But there's an anxiety, and and it's not an attitude, but it's a mentality that has spoken about time and time again, JP. So I think, to go back to the the previous point, that's where I think the positivity comes in. Albeit, if the same thing happens next season, then you start questioning it. You say, well, what have we learned? Mm. But based on this season, I I can look ahead, and I think it's uh, logical to suggest that there's players who have got, let's say, five or six games under the belt this season in the Champions League and that will help them to improve and progress and meet that standard next season.
4: Why? Well, I mean, that. just before we came on here, I, <laughs> I thought of a Kev Graham analogy. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like going to buy a cabinet for Ikea, eh? And you build the cabinet and you maybe get a few of the screws in the wrong place, eh? Maybe the door's on the wrong way and But then you go and buy it in a year's time, you get it right, eh? It's a bit straighter.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Kev is watching the show. He's in the comments. (laughs) And uh, let me know what you think about that impression, Kevin Graham. That is brilliant, mate.
4: (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, it's a pretty... uh, It is a very Kev Graham analogy, but you you would like to think that with the experience under the belt, that guy that commented there and said, well, we haven't learned. I think we have learned because we've stepped up into a far tougher competition from the European competition that we were in last year we played we won three games in that group last yeah. year <laughs> with a team that barely knew each other that had hardly played any games together and now we're a year down the line we stepped up to a massive massive competition jump leap into the Champions League yeah. and everyone that's watched us neutrals otherwise you listen to um, Tom English I, I know I mentioned him before and he's not you know, there' a amongst well anybody really. I don't think about, but I mean, he this he was asked to compare and contrast Rangers and Celtic's fortunes, and he said, "Yeah, you can look at Celtic bottom of the group um, on two points and a minus goal difference or whatever." But the nuances to Celtic's games, mm-hmm. there's you, you can dig into it and and find a lot more positivity, and 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 I tend to do that, and it's not blind faith, it's not
1: Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas. Visit cox.com internet for details.
0: This week on the Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust.
4: and I'll be at four of them come next week. So I've got a, 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 a reasonably good um, barometer to, to gauge against like what I saw. And what I saw, that's why it left me disappointed at the end of the game on Tuesday because I'm walking away going, how have we not won a game uh, in, this, in this group? Mm-hmm. Unbelievable to think that we've had so many chances. Being on top and... Decent spells in games, and then you just look at the way that it's all worked out in terms of Shakhtar beating Leipzig in that game, then Leipzig losing their coach. There's all these little little stories within the bigger the bigger picture yeah. that yeah. Are, are, that all contribute to what what ultimately has happened to us in in this group. But one positive I will take out of Tuesday, and I'm sure he will as well, especially given his interview after the game, is is Jackie Marcus. He mm. scored Champ I said after Jota scored against Leipzig, mm-hmm. Jackie Mathis has now scored at Champions League level. He is a you know, not I don't think you could go as far as to say he's a Champions League striker, but it's a massive, massive um thing to have in your in your arsenal that you've got a striker that can that can and has scored at that level.
3: 100 percent Um and, and these are the the kind of margins that we're talking about, JP. And I use Greg Taylor as an example because He's a player that was written off because he he didn't seem as though he could make the step up. And when he did make the step up, then there was another argument, well, he can't make the step up to the Champions League. I think if you look at his performances this season, then um, they speak for themselves. Yakamakis on the score sheet, Jota on the score sheet. I think Hatati over the piece will be pretty uh, happy with his performances and and unlucky not to get in the score sheet because his goal... And In inverted commas, was given as an OG.
4: Well, um, when you say that, I thought Hatati was poor on Tuesday. I mean, I, I think I rate the guy highly. I think he's been brilliant for Celtic. I'm and, and absolutely not writing him off because of Tuesday, but I thought some of his passing was... He really missed McGregor. Hatati was making passes that McGregor would have picked up or mm. been more mm-hmm. alert to. Matt O'Reilly, I thought, was, was good. There was, a, there was times that he gave the ball away, that's going to happen. But Hatati, I think, was so, so far off it on Tuesday. From what from what we know, he's capable of exactly mm-hmm. the same as Abada. Abada didn't look, didn't know. I, I think there was times Abada didn't know if he was going for a shower or a shave when he started running. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was all over the place. It was, there was no control. There was no calm. You compare that to Midric, who as soon as he sets off, he knows exactly what he's doing and that's the difference, and that's why he's getting touted for a £50-60 million pound move, and he bangs it in at the top corner, and he's one chance, and I, I listened to uh, John Hughes Jr talking about that, and talking about nullifying Mudrick, because to all intents and purposes, the rest of that Shakhtar team weren't that great, if, if I'm being honest. the big no, I'd number, agree with that. The big number two they had up front looked like a right back playing up front. I mean, that that, that attempt that he made to try and chip Joe Hart where he just ended up hitting it along the ground, I mean, that was embarrassing.
3: That was I mean, poor.
4: It was really poor. The guy that missed the sitter, another example of, you know, not lack of um, clinical finishing, you would expect a team at Champions League level, regardless if it's a substitute or a first team start, you'd expect that guy to absolutely bury that, especially against us. How many times have we seen a horrible, horrible goal like that that just comes from nowhere and it's just a square pass and then a rattle into the net and then the, he's off to celebrate with the fans mm. in the corner. I mean, I've seen mm. that million things. I know, I know. But it, that didn't happen and that that, that proved their, um, you know, their, their kind of weakness and then it showed the strength of Midricks because he was just... I mean, as soon as he set off and then when Carter Vickers went in and missed, I was like, oh no, here we go. Um, but I, I don't... People have been blaming Juranovic a bit. I don't know if you can blame Juranovic. I thought he'd done pretty well. Yeah. Because if you're the
3: right back um, and you're up against uh, Mudric and a, a massive part of his game is the strength of his running, what what Juranovic has done is he's brought him inside. So he's brought him inside so that the likes of because etc. can back him up. I think he'd done really, really well. His positional play... On that occasion It's mm-hmm. just that once again, JP We were up against a supremely talented footballer Who, it'll be interesting I, I was looking at the three teams we've come up against It'll be interesting to see In the next three to five years What he does in his career I mean, he's, he's 21 years of age He looks like an absolute um, beast of a player I think when we came up against uh, Vinicius Junior um, At Real Madrid I thought he looked like a special talent Only 22 Um, And then the other one was um, Nkunku, who will probably leave, if not in January, then certainly at the end of the season for massive um, transfer fees. So these three players are just three examples of what you're up against. Very supremely talented footballers. And I thought that actually, you know, people might laugh because... Um. Yeah, but your man Mudrik scored twice against us, didn't he? he? Scored in the first game as well. And so people might say, well, you know, Shuranovic has been a failure. But if you watch the head to head over the two games, you know, he, he did very, very well. Other than those two moments, he yeah. done very, very well. Um, and people may say, well, that's the two moments that you really need to make a difference. We can be very, very harsh. I think there's been some harsh criticism. You spoke earlier there about uh, the, the pundits coming out. Those who are worth their salt, those who can offer a balanced opinion, are saying, you know what, there's a lot here for Celtic to work on. They weren't miles off it, JP. We didn't go into a game and get absolutely cream-pied, 7-1, 6-0, whatever it may have been. That mm-hmm. didn't happen, right? So that's what I'm taking away from it. And then, and I'm going to bring him up again, Jason Kunde, right? So he has called Celtic fourth tier. Now, what I'd love is a head-to-head between Jason Kunde. And Colin Murray, because Colin Murray, I would listen to, uh, because he's got morals and he's got standards, and you know Mm. the decisions he makes in life aren't just about uh, a wee bit of that, a wee bit of dough. Exactly, exactly. Who's your paymaster, Jason? How many times has he been to Celtic Park? What does he know about Celtic? And he's sitting there, shock jock, looking for the clicks. An absolute disgrace. Just you know,
4: he didn't get a click for me. I I saw the the part. And I saw the the, the the still of the video, and I just didn't even watch it. I, honestly, I, I skimmed over what he said, and I was just like, oh, "It's just another one of those somebody trying to, you know, get get clicks or whatever." It's yes. it's pretty pathetic, really. I, I, I've watched Celtic for a number of years now, and yeah, there's been times where we have been battered 7-1, 7-0, Barcelona, PSG. We've been hopelessly out of our depth, and you, you have to hold your hands up at, at points like that that we haven't been uh, prepared, and we've not had the, the standard of player to cope with those environments. Because um, it was a new camp, and the part de France that we lost seven goals, and mm. I know we've been beaten heavily at home as well, um, but not quite to the extent of of sevens or uh, you know things like that. So. But at the same time, there's been a lot. So much good happened with Celtic, and in that time, you know, beating Lazio home and away. Going back to that, I know it seems to be frowned upon to give any credit to those games for some reason. Probably because it's Neil Lennon that was a manager, but um, they were still big results yeah. within recent within recent times. Um, and I just think it's just a lazy, lazy way to to comment on on Scottish football or, and on Celtic. Yeah,
3: absolutely no credibility whatsoever. And some might say, well, why mention him? Well, you know what? He's got a platform and he's coming across with his uh, two-bit opinion, uh, JP. He knows nothing about Celtic. I mean, making a comment like fourth tier is almost like saying my nan would score 40 goals in Scot- Scotland. That's the credibility mm-hmm. that we're talking about here. What did he achieve in the game? How many European games did he play at the top level? Jason Cunde. any statos out there? want to check that out for us? I don't
4: even know who he played for. I've genuinely done I remember
3: I remember he played for Spurs And he he cleared the ball once And it went in That was his claim to fame It was a goal for about 30 yards The guy was an absolute Clubber as a player And a joke as a pundit Um, So yeah Just leave your team out of it Jason And uh, have a look at your paymaster mate You know Before you start talking about Celtic The underwater cabbage salesman Good afternoon Axon comrades Love a wee bit of that Brilliant I was up at uh, the park yesterday Picked myself up a Callum McGregor book JP so oh, yeah, that that'll be one for the stocking fillers at Christmas. Yeah,
4: Naming um, for, for an interview?
3: <laughs> I'd love to be interviewed with Callum McGregor. You know, I mean, there you go. There's there's a, a curve. There, there's an arc, isn't it, or an inverted arc? That that player's career, who you know, he comes into the. I don't even remember him when he's playing for under Ronnie Dyla and some of the later European games in that that first campaign. And uh, you know It was the first campaign that we played up in Murrayfield, wasn't it? It was, mm-hmm. yeah. I and I remember I remember these games. yeah. and um, you know the stick, the stick that Callum McGregor was getting as as a young player coming into the side, finding his feet, adapting. And you know, on a wider scale, on a bigger scale, you can look at the Celtic team in the same kind of way and say, well, you know what, we're finding our feet at the moment. That's all we're doing. Like a new player coming in, Callum McGregor went on to do no too badly. Like a new player coming in or a new signing coming in, we're just finding our feet at this level. That's what I'm putting this down to. And as I say, JP. If season after season there's no progress, then I think we can criticise.
4: Yeah, I mean that's a hundred percent. If if we are in the Champions League, or if we're fortunate enough to be in the Champions League next season as a result of of retaining the title, then yeah, obviously draw dependent. You, you know you got you have to make audiences for who or what we may get in the, in the draw if um, when it happens, but. You want to see a progression in the team by that point, and I think I think there, I think there will be, and I don't, again I don't think that's blind optimism. Um, I think there's obviously areas of the team that need strengthened. Um, I, I don't, I'm, where would you say we would need to strengthen? I'd, I, up top straight away, up top. You want
3: a backup. You want a backup, uh, JP. We were talking all about you know the, the injury scenario, and there's been a couple of occasions recently where Yakamakis has kind of you know held onto the, the hamstring and all this stuff. And you you get a bit concerned at that, not because and we'll come on to Kyogo, but not because I don't rate Kyogo. It's just that you know lossy form an injury, and you really are up against it. It's centre half at the moment, and centre forward. Mm. Um, I'm quite happy in most other areas of the park, if I'm being honest. You know, people criticise Jaranvic I think we've got two very, very able uh, right-backs. Same on left-back. Taylor's the first choice, but Bernabe's looked good. We've got four centre halves. I think we need another one, because loss of form and injury, we've seen that. Um, and in the midfield, I think that, you know, there's players on the fringes there that you know, you can use maybe David Turnbull for an example. Eddie um, Gucci, we don't know enough about uh, McCarthy. You know, he can come in and do a certain job. Do we really? And, and Ably apparently that you know Oliver Ably we don't know what he can do yet. So I don't think we need to strengthen these areas. But if we go into the the January transfer window and we bring in a centre half and a centre forward, I will feel as though we've done good business. I really do. But I do expect a few of the French players to leave as well.
4: Turnbull and Moy got slated for their performances the other night when they came on. I don't really know if I would have expected a Turnbull coming back from injury, playing his first game in however long, in a game of that level and that intensity. I don't know if I would have expected him to be the difference. Mm. And Aaron Moy, when he's come on in the past and made the difference in games at that stage, it's not really been as an attacking threat you know, you're not looking for Aaron Moy to be hanging crosses in from the right-hand side. I I would be looking more for Moy to sit a bit deeper like he's done in other games where he's... I mean, having said that, obviously, he did do the business uh, in a forward sense against Harps at the weekend, but there's a world of difference between Harps and Shakhtar Donetsk and Mm. Aaron Moy hasn't played consistently at Champions League level. I don't think Aaron Moy was signed for Champions League football. I think he was sign for domestic football and that's again where we'll play the majority of our games this season Um, after next week, there is no more Europe so you're looking for if Aaron Moy consistently produces in domestic games between now and the end of the season whether it's cameos for the last 25 minutes, whether it's starting games like Tynecastle or whatever how could you possibly say at the end of the season that that's not a good sign how could you possibly say that they That's make...
3: madness to say that he's not. I know, I know yeah. the contrib- the contributions there for all we see. And I think even about his assists and second assists in recent times, he's been involved yeah. in quite a few goals, JP. So, yeah, yeah. A- again, I'm going to go back. You made the point a couple of weeks ago, sometimes uh, an opinion is made and, and folk just hold on to that opinion rather than saying, oh, you know what? I've changed my opinion about that guy due to the evidence that you see in front of you, which is what we do all the there's
4: time. So there were so many tweets that I saw. I was muting accounts left, right and centre, just going, nah. So if you if that is your opinion and that's what you want to say about a Celtic player and be so derogatory as well to, towards them, um, I'm not having it. I, I really don't. And by the way, last week we got I never got time to reply to a comment, but there's a comment in the YouTube comments, two quite lengthy comments having a go at us for seemingly saying that we needed a right winger and a centre-half. Uh, and this guy, whoever he was, was saying, oh, well, I said we've got James Forrest and Mikey Johnston in the building. I, I don't. If you go watch back anything I've ever said about James Forrest, I've never said James Forrest should be gone or anything else. No. In fact, I said about a month ago, that James Forrest was capable of producing a big moment in this season that would matter. He came on. We started the game and scored a hat trick. If you wanted to, like, suddenly start um, classifying games as being, oh well, that was just against Hibs at home in the league. It's three points. It's six-one victory. It's a massive, massive game in the context yeah. of the season. It's mm-hmm. not just a game at home against Hibs in the league. You can't just like pick and choose what games you deem important or not important
0: As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
4: Every game's important, and that game was massive because, well, it was was, was three points for the start, and it got us a, a, a boost in the goal difference as well. Um, it
3: also, it, it kind of like blew away the cobwebs, GP, because there was a few performances
4: right? yeah.
3: Yeah, leading up to that. And, and a lot of people were doubting that uh, we had that kind of momentum or, or, you know, the performances of the early season had gone. And I think, Hibbs blew away at a lot of those doubts, and Forrest was a massive part of it. I know the the performances last season by James Forrest were few and and far between. However, was there was still a big there was still a big performance against St Johnson in the semi final with the League Cup, which was mm-hmm. huge for Celtic. When in that League Cup, again, you and I have spoken about this how the importance of that League Cup last yeah. season was massive, right? Uh, because
4: the atmosphere of at that final was up there with anything I've experienced purely <laughs> because it was the first. Cup final post Covid, and I think you know everybody has a new appreciation for well, not just being at the games but being at special occasions like cup finals because you know you go a couple years without them or you you see one being played in an empty stadium and us winning in an empty stadium, and how left out you feel as a fan to be sitting at home when Christopher Iyer smashes that penalty in against Craig Gordon Mm -hmm. and you're not there and you're not witnessing history being made and it's it's horrendous. It just, it didn't feel real.
3: Well, what we did it just, life?
4: Probably goes for the team at the other side of the city when they watched 55 that they keep going on about. But, um, I, it, it, it's not pleasant. So, that cup final was massive and James Forrest helped get us there. And, with regards to Mikey Johnston, everybody and their dog knew that Mikey Johnston needed to get out of Celtic to play a consistent run of games. You said it. I said it, the manager said it. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think he could have been considered as an option on that right wing. So, yeah, I, I think it was it goes to show that us saying that we needed the right winger was probably correct for competition because if James Forrest isn't fit, where do you go at mm-hmm. that point? Uh, so, who, are you, who are you relying on?
3: You're talking about the the unnatural um, kind of feeling of the, the game against Hearts where we, win. we wrap up the quadruple treble even that's unnatural because it's wrapped up in a different season and everything else right yeah it was weird uh, but we were watching it here and the way that we were watching it is uh, Laura had dialed in and Laura's stream wherever she was watching it was different to the one we, uh, Lawrence and I were watching we were watching it I think Sky or Premier whatever game, uh, channel it was on and so we were celebrating before she was the whole thing was just absolutely fractured and there was this feeling that when will we be able to um, enjoy that again? And that final against Hibs, we got there for a number of reasons, but Forrest was one of those reasons. But that final against Hibs, um, you know, like you say, the elation, the feeling of elation winning that cup was absolutely massive. But another thing I would uh, say is it, it brought back memories of Vim Jansen's season. We, we had a massive task to stop the 10 that season, and I think there was a, a real momentum built from the League Cup final, winning mm. that against Dundee United. I think that, that played a massive part in what we did that campaign. And I remember looking at the Hibs and thinking, well, we're we'll never winning side again. And all these new players that have came in know what it's like to win um, a trophy for Celtic. And it, I think it held us in very, very good stead. But it, it actually leads me on nicely to talk about Kugel. Because somebody tweeted, you know, today or yesterday, I've seen it today, um, four moments that Kyogo has, you know, has had as a Celtic player, four moments of absolute supreme quality, JP, yet after the game the other night, Kevin McCluskey and I covered the game, there's people on here saying that he's a busted flush, get rid of him. I, I don't understand that. I just no, don't get that,
4: it. In the same way you can react to the Hitati performance of the other night and say, get rid of Hitati, you know, Hattie got a decent ovation when he walked round the, the Jock Steen stand with his top off and he looked he looked disappointed with himself mm. because I think he knew that he hadn't played to the levels that he knows he's capable of. I'm not I would not for a second write off Rio Hatati based on that performance. I was disappointed with his performance. I'm sure he was as well. I was disappointed with Kyogo. I think at times in that game everyone was so excited about Kyogo and Jacamakis starting. Uh, up top together, I don't necessarily think it's the way forward for, for, I mean time will tell, maybe he plays that in a home game in the league and we absolutely you know, run run wild against somebody that there's a difference in levels obviously, mm-hmm. but I, I just thought at times Kyogo looked a little bit lost, like he was dropping back, he was trying to make himself busy but it didn't seem natural I don't know. Maybe I'm talking nonsense. It just that's how it seemed to me. Being at the game, I've not watched any of it back. I've not seen any stats. I don't know anything about the detail of, of his performance. I just saw with my eyes, you know, him going through and goal when that ball was played into him from Jack and you straight away you're thinking this is a goal. And I think it was you that said maybe did he try and nutmeg him
3: mm, potentially,
4: nutmeg. and uh, and the keeper just managed to to get a leg on it or whatever it was. So. Um, no, I've seen Kyogo do things for Celtic that are up there with Larson Maravich kind of territory. So absolutely no way would that. Uh, say, oh well, he's not good enough at Champions League level this season, which he hasn't been. He's not. He's not past muster for Champions League. You've got to say. Um, I mean, I know he set up the goal for Jota against Leipzig. That's one moment. There's been so many other moments that he could have done better, mm-hmm. but just like we're saying about the team as a whole, you'd, ex- you'd, you'd hope that next season, Yogo comes back and and goes again and wants to right the wrongs of of, of previous games because I think Jack and did that when he scored that goal and then he had that shot, the absolute raker from like 30 yards or whatever. That was him sort of going right. I know we've not been good. We've not been at it. I know I missed chances against um, Leipzig away, against Shakhtar away. And I, I know I, I, I kind of almost owe this support a goal, mm-hmm. and he got it. And you saw the celebration. He's, he's definitely full of beans is the guy, <laughs> you know, when he's when he's given it that and the sliding down. But he's entitled to that when you when you score a goal at that level
3: kind of do what you want, can't you? I know, I know. See, the thing again, before we we go into uh, Jakimakis to finish off on Kyogo, um, I I remember when he went on a a really good goal-scoring run when he first came into Celtic um, and the comment was made that he scores a lot of goals but he misses a lot of chances and the difference being, and we all know this, you miss a chance in Europe, you might not get another one for the rest of the game. But in domestic football we create so many you know so many chances that the likelihood is you will get another chance in the game to make up for it Kilgour didn't unfortunately get another chance um, but Yakamak is leading into the game uh, JP I was talking about how he is how he's treated by the Scottish officials so you've got a player there um, who is undoubtedly strong I mean the upper body strength that he's got you know in terms of holding the ball up he's the best that we've got right yeah, I, I don't compare the two players, but I used to think that the best player we ever had holding the ball up was just, uh, you could just ping a ball to Samaras and you know knew it would stick. you know, And, and he was also brilliant at, at chasing the, the channels. He, he would always make moves towards the corner flag. He was brilliant at that. He, very hard worker when he could be bothered. Yakimakis, um, I think he's the best at the club at holding the ball up, buying a bit of time, laying it off. But it seems to be that he gets more opportunity to do that in Europe, So going into the game the other night, I made the comment, he's always been penalised, JP, because he goes toe-to-toe, uh, shoulder-to-shoulder, whatever it may be, with his opposite number, who invariably ends up on the deck, and he gets penalised domestically. And then when Big Yakimakis takes a, a pound and ends up on the deck, play on. And that mm. seems to have been, domestically, how he's been treated, but it's different in Europe. And again, the other night, it was proven he was, he was strong... There was there was players coming second best, and and again he won us a few. He was brilliant last season at winning us free kicks in Europe. Remember we said that because mm-hmm. we need more from him than just to, to win to free kicks.
4: Ben Farros yeah, he was he was uh, putting his weight around. I not totally. I think uh, I think he he can consider himself pretty happy with his work. The other night, you know, other than the fact that he didn't get maybe another goal, which would have got us the the three points, but. I'm sure, personally, he's sitting there going... I mean, he said that He said it was a boyhood dream to score in the Champions League. Because um, if you think what age he is, he's like, what, 27? He's about 27 now, yeah. Yep. 27, 28. So when did the Champions League uh, become... Uh, I think it was like the... 92, 93, I think. 92, 93. So, so his whole life he's known the Champions League. He's never known yeah. anything prior to that. So his... His starting point at age maybe six, say six, seven, eight, when he was starting to watch football, it's Champions League, and it's it's you know that it's I mean, that time for the Champions League was unbelievable. Like late late nineties, early two thousands, Champions League, the the level of player that he would have been watching, you know, there was worldies all yeah. over the place. So his his you know memory of that time will be crystallised mm-hmm. like it is for, for me. I mean, we, we didn't see Celtic in the Champions League until 2001. You know, like we, it, it existed for nearly 10 years and we didn't see our team in that competition. We saw a lot in it, quite a lot, and usually getting thrown about um, by the likes of Juventus and things like that, Del Piero mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, and yet when we saw really, really great European sides win the win the tournament, in uh, that time it was it was amazing. I, I vividly remember the the early years of the Champions League and how excited you would be to watch it. Now I don't really watch other Champions League games. I, I would, it's not really something that I don't know if it's just because it's been diluted a bit with the the fact that it's not all champions that's in there. It's teams that have finished third and fourth. I think it's, it's it doesn't it doesn't have the same. Star Dust, as it did in the in the nineties and the nineties.
3: I agree with that. I agree with that. They've gone for the box office, JP, rather than uh, the actual um, meritocracy of of what the Champions League should have been and what mm-hmm. it used to be. I'm just looking at Biakamakis uh, there. Um, you're, you're spot on. He was born in '94, but interestingly enough, he was born in Her- Heraklion in, in um, Greece, which is the birthplace of Samaras. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I wonder they had any uh, meeting, like I wonder if they've ever met at any point. I don't know if there would have been any international crossover. Probably not. I don't think. So. I don't think I look at that. playing international football when he could have possibly ended up being in, it, be in and around the squad. Um, but I mean,
3: Samaras still involved. Is he still involved yeah, in the national
4: I team? I heard he was living on a Greek island somewhere, mm-hmm. just chilling. Which, I mean. Perfectly uh, entitled to do that. it sure. he, he was chilling when he was at Celtic. After oh, time. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> By the way, see, speaking of um, things uh, sticking when they land at players, did you see Javi's Z- touch on the sideline? No. no, I didn't Ball, see that. Oh, no. Ball comes from I don't know, maybe around about the, the corner flag, really, really high in the air. Javi just watches it, just like brings it down. One touch. Just like, he, what's he wearing on his feet? I think he's I think he's got those uh what seems to be standard issue uh foreign manager trainers, you know, the white souls. Yeah. The, the, the ones that like all the pundits wear, all the all the cool managers on the and the sideline. I, I heard Kev yesterday slagging off the appearance of uh foreign coaches that come to Celtic Park. I was it <laughs> came out of nowhere just Kev annihilating uh certain certain managers for their attire, but but Javi's touch, honestly, you need to see it. It's unbelievable. Just proper. It's proper Charlie Mulgrew at the hydro. For, uh, oh over.
3: yes. How how can uh, Kevin possibly have a go when we've got uh, the Hibsgaffer gaffer turning up with a Boy jacket on?
4: Aye. Well, I mean, he's uh, he's a bit of a character, isn't he? We yes. I didn't realise that he played for uh, so many Scottish clubs. It was a, it was a, it was a question on Super Scoreboard the other night on beat the pundit. Oh, right. And uh, it was how many, how many teams has Lee Johnson played for? And it's, it's three, I think.
3: Right. So I remember Harps and Kilmarnock.
4: Yeah, there's now, no more Is there another one? I think so. I, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe they gave the somebody gave three at three, and it actually was only two. But I can't even remember him as a player. I don't no. remember that guy as a player. I don't even know, I don't know what position he played. Like, how, I, what I only know playing? because there's
3: a couple of hippies in here that's the only reason I know
4: did, um, get him? About him.
3: did he play for hips I don't so think so
4: I right. oh, sorry you only oh, know for
3: aye there's a couple of hippies in here talk about um,
4: no, it was hips. hearts it was, it was hearts he played for he played actually. The aye. But I don't know where or when he played in what period who was the manager nothing at all and, and I'm normally reasonably good at remembering things like that but he's just a lost face and a lost mm-hmm. name in my memory. <laughs> I don't know the thing I mean. is,
3: JP was probably still better than Jason Kunde, though. You know what ah, I mean?
4: Yeah. Marquee
3: son named Smith. Uh, teams been hit and miss. Manager included reckons Mark. Player too, players too fearful. I get that. Lack confidence in themselves and each other. Yeah, I think just pointed that out as well. Always passing back instead of driving forward. Need to balance attacks, so not easy to counter. You know, it's all fair comment, but again, I, I think most of us are, are kind of willing, we think that there is credit in the bank, to use that term, willing to see how this progresses next season. Was it better than our European exploits last season? Well, um, Kevin McCluskey spoke about that pretty well. Although we did Get more points last season we're playing at a higher level the teams are much much better Um JP in the, in the Champions League mm. and I want to talk about um something that we're involved in because yesterday we were in Glasgow and I need to say a big shout out to Glowworm Studios in Glasgow because we were in there JP to mix a single we've moved into the world of music Axom is releasing a single um, well,
4: we Celtic related and we can't get lambasted for talking about it. It is
3: Celtic related, yes. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, anyone who heard my demos from the early 90s will be delighted to hear that I'm not on the record, JP. Uh, But friends of yours and mine, uh, The Wakes are the the lead. They're, They're going to be the lead band. They are the lead band. On a charity single that we've had recorded, and it's called The Glory and the Dream. It's being released... Um, this Christmas and every single penny that is raised will be going to various charities last year. Almost 30 grand was raised for St Mary's, the birthplace of Celtic. And this time round, they will also um, be one of the beneficiaries amongst others um, who require a wee bit of help at Christmas time. JP, you have had a sneak preview of the song. One of very, very few. Don't give too much away, but what is your your initial kind of thoughts on it?
4: Uh, Well, I texted you back and said classic Paul Sheridan because, I mean, people are widely familiar with Paul and the wakes. Paul plays in uh, places like uh, the Brazen Head, the Hoops Bar, uh, the Tollbooth, where I once made a a singing uh, appearance, which was... cut short, shall we say, by the owner. <laughs> it's not really something I could go into in detail on there, but let's just say the song i was singing may have been a little bit spicy for that particular um, <laughs> part. Um, and, uh, yeah, so the it, it, it's just it's great to hear. Um, well, you need to t- tell people what the history of this, the song is.
3: Absolutely. And, and you know this as well, you, you look at some of the people who have been on Celtic state of mind. Over the years, people like Kevin Miles, uh, Liam McGrandles, these types of people who have written um, up to date, modern kind of Celtic tunes. Um, and I remember being up at Malone's one time before the game, and somebody else, Danny Kelly, it was, was was going through his repertoire, and within his uh, setlist, JP was Kevin Miles' song which hadn't Mm -hmm. long been released. And I I thought it was amazing how that song had been taken into the Celtic songbook. Mm -hmm. And you you think to yourself, you know, maybe in 15, 20, 25 years and beyond, that song will be part of the repertoire when you go into Irish bars and you go to Celtic nights, etc. And I think that's phenomenal. But the story is, um, for anyone who doesn't know, there was a song back in 1987 that was written by... J.J. Gilmore, a supremely talented singer-songwriter who was in a band called The Silencers, um, and also Gary John Kane, who has played bass for The Proclaimers for, I think, over 20 years, but he's also played with various others previous to that. he's His two brothers were Hugh and Cry. So they wrote a song, and with the intention of Celtic releasing it for the centenary year, it was called The Glory and the Dream. So... You listen to the lyrics, and it's all about the formation of the club, why the club were formed. It's really, I mean, heartfelt lyrics. And they had a demo. So Gary John said to me, you know, you can use this. And I I was amazed at that, because straight away you start, the juices flowing, you're thinking to yourself, we're going to release a Celtic song. This is tremendous. Obviously, we need somebody to re-record this, bring it into more of a contemporary kind of fan base. And I just think, like you said earlier, the wakes are just the prime candidates, aren't they? Because you know, the thing, the stuff they they did with uh, um, the song in relation to um, you know Saint Pauli, for example, when they go back and forward to Germany, and I just thought, right, right up my
4: street.
3: Yeah, the Saint Pauli, absolutely. So they've re-recorded it, and I listened to that re-recording of the song. A couple of weeks ago, and I thought, wow, this is incredible. So yesterday, the process yesterday was JJ, ex of the Silencers, E17 and others, he was in the studio with us, and he was re- he was basically remixing the, the final edit, if you like, the radio edit, um, if it's ever played what, on the radio.
4: This just came in my head, and I probably should have said this to you before, but you need to release it, and you need a, a limited print in seven-inch, because if you think about it, it would have come out, and seven inch, if it had been the least Absolutely. at that time, so it would be like a proper retro cover with the Celtic Centenary team on it, or whatever.
3: Oh yeah, green vinyl, Maybe
4: green vinyl. Would you vinyl be up for that, that. Yeah. Up for that ladies I, and gents? I would, I would, hundred percent get a copy for, of that. You've um, got to
3: mix it up. You've got to mix it up, JP. We've done a couple of, well, actually, we're going bit, We're about to. On the socials, we'll be putting out um, our latest charitable donation, which went to the Ronald McDonald House, which helps families of kids who are in hospital. Families, you know, there might be a specialist unit in a hospital, JP, and, and generally speaking, wherever you are in Scotland, your kid goes to this unit. So you may be miles and miles from home. Uh, and this house, it's like a hotel stuck on the side of the, hotel, uh, the hospital, and their family can stay with them for up to a year sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how poorly the kids are. And it means that every single day the kids are with their families, et cetera. So we've made a donation to them recently, which will be announcing soon, but that takes us up to 83 grand over a period of three years. And uh, this year, we want to smash through 100 grand with a single um, and help those in need around about Christmas. So like you say, uh, that someone else who may be watching this show is doing the design. So we're just, we're drafting in Celtic, Fans and Axon listeners and viewers, JP, to help with us. Um, A real collective. A real collective. On the
4: note of the money raised, did you see on Tuesday night they announced that the game that the annual Celtic Mass was taking place at St. Mary's on the 6th of November?
3: Yeah.
4: On Sunday, the 6th of November at 2 o'clock. So it's nice to think that money raised through a Celtic state of mind uh, will hopefully have that. Place in a bit of better fettle than it might have been otherwise, mm-hmm. you know, to welcome the people that are going to go to that mass. I'm sure it will be packed. I was actually thinking about going to go myself, but I'm I'm working a gig that day in almost in the Calton at Saint Luke's. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a, a gig there, so I'm doing that. And speaking of gigs, actually, I did a gig last night. Yeah, last night. God Almighty, <laughs> days just blend into one. But uh, with a band called Cud. Who were a nineties uh, indie band, uh round uh, contemporaries of likes uh Pop itself, um Ned's Atomic Dustbin, The Wonder Stuff, you know, they were in that kind of bracket. I love the
3: track with Vic and Bob.
4: Aye, well that's Vic and Bob used to talk about Cud on Vic Reeve's Big Night Out and uh I was speaking to the singer last night and I was like, did you you ever meet Vic and Bob at that time? And he said, yeah, we we were supposed to do a, was a pilot show made with Vic and Bob hosting. It was a different style show to Big Night Out. So it was kind of a more mainstream Mm -hmm. and and Vic wanted Cud to be the band. So Cud were invited to be the band. And there was a band called Denim as well, which is Lawrence from Feltz, other band. And, uh, that was going to be the show, and then the show never aired. So there's an un- an unseen pilot episode of a show for the BBC with Vic and Bob hosting and Cud as the band, and it never it never got aired. But madly, the tour manager, Phil, who may or may not be watching right now, uh, when he when he emailed me when we were doing the advance, he was like, are you JP? for <laughs> so take state of mind. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute, <laughs> who, who are you? And it turns out he's a, a guy from Leeds, uh, his dad is from Dalry in Ayrshire uh, and his mum's Irish and he's a mad Celtic fan and watches watches the Celtic State of Mind and also tour managers bands. And, uh, so I met him last night for the first time and uh, really nice guy, so hollow filled.
3: Hello, Phil. And by the way, this isn't me saying, oh, well, you you were noticed for being in a Celtic state of mind, because I wouldn't tell this story if I had anything like an ego, because it makes me out to be a bit of a fud. Never mind cud, right? So I was in Glasgow yesterday, JP, and I lost my car. I lost it.
4: That can
3: happen. Right, right. So, no, seriously, I had to meet somebody. I was in a hurry. Couldn't get a parking space. And it was uh, permit holders only, wherever you, every street you went into, right? I'm a bit paranoid about these things. No, because, you know, you, I, I don't deliberately break the law, I guess, right? So eventually I get parked and it was like 15 minutes away from where I was actually meeting um, my pal. And, you know, so I'm running about going to, but I'm thinking in the back of my mind, it's all right because I've done the app. It's the PayGo app. So I can go back and I know where my car is. But the, the app has, has actually discovered the destination, which was the one I was in. So I was illegally parked anyway. So I'll go back to what it says and my car's not there. So somebody walking down the street, as I'm talking to a traffic warden, I don't know what, what they were going to do for me to try and help me find my motor. This person walked past and says, oh, you're the boy for the podcast. That's what it said, right? <laughs> if you're watching, if you're watching me, sorry if I was a wee bit, uh, agitated I, I just didn't think I was going to get back to Fife I thought I was staying in, in uh, Glasgow and then having to explain how on earth I was my how on earth did you find it I did I did find it accidentally
4: you're not in the, in the bright lights in Big City country bumpkin you the deepest darkest a place I'll be coming soon I'm doing a show I told you this the other oh day. yes uh, PJ Malloy's uh, Teenage Fan Club, Can't Wait. I'm
3: After guessing that's sold out. I'm guessing, like within an hour or two.
4: Yeah, well, not minutes, I think it was gone. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm so excited to, to work a show uh, with them. I've uh, been a fan since I was a wee guy. It was at the Bandwagon esque show at the Barrowland in 2006, right down the front, jumping about like a maniac. So, kind of means a lot. And they were one of Kurt Cobain's favourite bands. It's incredible, um, that isn't it? Yeah, he, he used to wear like Teenage Fan Club T-shirts, had them support them, and all that. So, and I think Teenage Fan Club to this day still have a relationship with Dave Grohl, and Foo, I, I'm sure Teenage Fan Club supported Foo Fighters at at some point within the last, I don't know, five ten years. I remember, I remember it happening so, some big gig somewhere. Teenage Fan Club were in the lineup because Dave Grohl still still pals with them, so that'll be good. I'll be looking Dunferm, first ever show repping in Dunfermline never, never, never done
3: it before so can you uh, come up to Mink for a brew before it because I'm going to oh, yeah. the gig going to the gig with my brother but anyway to finish on a Celtic note Teenage Fan Club's ex-drummer Paul Quinn big Celtic fan was on a Celtic state of mind a couple of years back uh-huh. so watch that episode because there is one of the funniest Liam Gallagher stories ever because they were uh, recording Howdy whilst Oasis was recording, be here now I think Um, But massive Celtic fan And he told us on that particular day That three members of Teenage Fan Club Were Celtic season ticket holders In the Hamden season In the ill-fated Hamden season Which was the season where I got my first season ticket So we've managed to bring it all the way back round to Celtic JP, we got on to the music Because we are releasing a Celtic single I'm, I'm very proud to say Because, you know a very small part I'm playing obviously I'm not going to be on the record but I can see the whole process and I'm looking forward to that hopefully everybody can get behind it download the record like you say we'll try and get a limited edition run done as well make it retro
4: Getting getting vinyl these days is quite tough it it seems to be it would be a very good financial opportunity for somebody to invest in a vinyl factory in the UK I think Uh, if if you're watching this and you've got any spare uh, cash then honestly the, the waiting time for vinyl to be made, I don't know if it's still the same as it was um maybe about a year ago or something like that, but the 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 delays to get vinyl made because there's only a couple of places in Europe that actually do it. Um and that's and so therefore if you've got like a big artist, I think it was Adele that held everybody up because Adele was getting so many copies made and it just it pushed everybody's order back. Um, it seems farcical, but it, th- that is actually what happened. So, um, yeah, it's not something you can just put an order in for 500 copies next week and get them the week after. It's it, there's 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 a, there's a fairly lengthy process, probably. But mm-hmm. um, so it's something we could do,
3: though. We definitely oh, could.
4: Yeah. And we will,
3: and we will do that. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, as always, to chat to you on a Thursday, J.P. Mason. Um, bit of music, bit of football, but always with a Celtic state of mind.
4: Before Before we go, on that um, Celtic state of mind, the, the, the applause the other night at Celtic Park on the 28th minute, I don't know if you were aware of that, um, was for a guy called Mick Beaton, who I've been on the Easterhouse Emerald bus a few times to go to away games um, and I was on the bus last Wednesday to go to for park for the cup game. And that was the sort of first day that, you know, some of the members on the bus were told about Mick. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was one of the most, I mean, they had the minute silence on the bus for him and it was really, really moving. And then when I saw the, the sort of um, the, the online stuff, Heading towards the game in the the twenty eighth minute, applause. And you know, I was hoping that it would be it would be observed and and, and people did it, and, and it happened. And it was I I I just know how much it would mean, how much that meant and would mean to the people in that bus mm-hmm. and his family. So it was really amazing uh, to 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 see that happen and to feel what happened within the ground because I've I've, I've applauded for people in, in minutes of games before and, and they're just people that you know a Celtic fan young or old um, but when you've been on a bus with a guy and you know what they look like and they're, they're 28 years old and they've lost their life so tragically um, it, it's, it's pretty harrowing so, and there's not so much that can be done at times like that because what, what can you do when, when, when someone loses a life at that age there's not really a right what right you can do but things like that I'm sure. I'm sure helped. I um, helped the family and and, and the, his friends on, on the bus as well. So I that I was really well done by by the by the support because it was just it was just really sporadic and it felt it felt um, it felt right.
3: Yeah. Can be a special place, JP Celtic Park. And uh, no, absolutely right to to bring that up as well. Fair play to everybody who was involved in it. And thoughts and prayers with uh, the friends and family, Michael Beaton as well. So thanks for bringing that up. Thank you, everybody, for getting involved. Uh, We'll keep you posted on the single. Uh, We're also going to have a video. Maybe we'll get some of you guys in the comment section to appear in the music video. How about that? We could do something along those lines, I think. Uh, that would be great fun. Right, thank you very much. We'll see you again tomorrow at 12.30. The only thing I've got left to say, J.P. Mason, thank you for joining me once again on a Celtic State of Mind.
4: No